rdtdaily.com presents a Tara Buster with comedian Tara Devlin. Yo, what's happening? I think you can hear me. Ugh, this is such bullshit. Ugh, fucking installing uh, eCam just popped up. I have to ignore it. Boom, get out of my face. Installations. I don't need this shit today. Okay. Um, yeah, I hope I don't click that. Uh, it, it's something that says install and relaunch. It's very difficult to not want to click it. But I will just hide it. Hide it from myself. I'm talking like Nina Turner now. Because I was just watching Nina Turner. On a clip. And she's amazing. I love Nina Turner. I would run away with Nina Turner. Not that she cares. Um, she, uh, I did meet her once. Over in Brooklyn. For a Bernie Sanders event in Brooklyn. That she launched. That was in 2016. She's just fierce and awesome. All right, and Tara Jr. Jr. is here. Yay, my name is Tara Devon. Let's get the show on the road. I love weekday specials because they're they're very loosey-goosey up in the air. We do what we can, and I don't have to really worry about the clock as much and other things. But I do worry about things like, does anybody care? Yeah. <laughs> Don't you love this Tara Jr. Jr.? I love this cat. This is... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to hold you in a comfortable position for both of us. Is that better? What do you think? Alright. It's good to be the king, right? So, yeah. Alright, let's get... This is gonna make no sense to anybody listening on the podcast, but I'm sorry. All I can say is you guys are, you support the show anyway. I appreciate that for all its production value issues, its um, technical issues, my personal issues, my emotional issues. Thank you. Oh, Jim, thank you for your super chat. The um, notification I'm not not guilting anybody, but Super Chats are down 94% this month, according to YouTube. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's true. I'm not kidding, but I'm not, you know, whatever. I'm not trying to guilt anybody. We need patrons. We need supporters. We need people to click subscribe and share the show with your friends. There are other ways to support the show besides being a patron or a Super Chatter, if you can't afford to to uh, financially support the show, you can share the show with your friends, spread the word about Tara Buster in other liberal chat rooms, because I know you're in there too. I see you there. I'm in there. So we're up against it, because I was thinking today, uh, as, well, I think every day, I think about shit constantly. It never stops. But I thought, um, yeah, we can't fight this full-time, I mean, part-time. We, ha- we can't fight it full-time. We have to fight it full-time. This has to be a full-time endeavor. So the way it stands now, we do the show on the weekends. That's our, that's our set um, time, sl- time slot, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern, and then during the week. Um, a lot of people have been 
contact me. Are you doing a show tonight on Wednesday? I guess I've been doing a lot of Wednesday shows. But don't get used to it. I would like to do more shows. Maybe we'll do a show on a Tuesday or a Thursday. I, it does really matter. It helps to do a regular show. I understand that. Because how else do you do? You have to build a following consistently. Yeah, I don't want to put that lower third up because it blocks Tara Jr. Jr.'s face in the feed. So there, we'll keep it like that for now. Wait, hold on. Maybe I'll move the camera a little bit so you can see him better. He's just, he's good. He's cute, right? What can you do? You got to watch. You got to look. <laughs> he's like a big baby. I'm sorry. I can't help it. So this is the best of the internet, I suppose, because we have progressive programming and cats. So how could we go wrong? And there'll be a cat walking around in the background every now and then. And that's Francis Jr. Jr. He is our mascot. He is fierce. He is beautiful. But he is his own person. What can you do? Sometimes he doesn't want to. He's not as cuddly. He's not like this. Tara Jr. Jr. has always been just a big giant mush. And I mean, he's just in love with me. I wish I could find a human being that loves me as much as this cat does. I can see the way he looks at me. And I believe that this cat was, I found, well, he found me, really. I adopted him from North Shore Animal League. He was the only cat I looked at. I walked right in, walked over to his cage. He was just a little kitten. He crawled up my arm and started licking my face. And that is a true story. And I said, this is my cat. And it was, this cat came to me in a very horrible year that I was having when my it was 2010 and I can't believe it's that long the end of, it was almost 2011 my mother died and then three months later my father died three months to the day my father died the, to the that same year my mother died and then three months later Tara Jr. The first died, my, my, his namesake, who he was named after. And I woke up one day on a Saturday in grief, uh, like a heavy weight sitting on my chest. And I thought, oh, F this. I can't take this. I went, I, I needed to get a little ball of life running around and he came to me, so I re he was he's just been the greatest cat and just a such a loving soul. And I remember laying in my bed with Tara Jr. Jr. as a little kitten, running around, running himself into exhaustion, while I laid in my bed and cried <laughs> in grief. But yes, everything changes, everything passes, and uh, here we are together again. And so I was thinking about what to call this show tonight when I was thinking about uh, what's going on. There's so many things happening in the world, of course. And while the Democrats are having a primary, and I consider myself a Democrat, I'm a registered Democrat. I have been since I was able to register. Um, but while that's going on, Twitter is 
of course, getting away with his crimes. And it's for real. It's happening. You're not crazy. You're not seeing things. Fascism is not coming to America. Fascism is here. And um, that's why when I watch the Democrats in their primary, and I don't know why I'm saying there, because I, I, I'm looking at it like the corporate Democrats are, they're doing it to us again. I'm, I'm that concerned. I guess I could see where they're uh, on their side of, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes, the, the corporate Democrats. They can't believe that Bernie Sanders is doing as well as he is. And in fact, it's ridiculous. The meltdowns that are happening and the attacks on Bernie Sanders and his supporters. You know, we're supposed to, of course, we're Bernie bros. We're a horrible online mob. And we're brown shirts, too, according to Chuck Todd. It's it's unbelievable the 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 level of insanity, the, the disdain, the and also the coddling of the corporate Democrats who, in my opinion, have they don't have a shot against Donald Trump, especially Joe Biden. I mean, I'm glad he's he's tanking. Frankly, you know what? No offense, buddy, but. It's just go home. I get. I, I don't know. Hope. Hopefully, I would. I hope that you guys would tell me. Because we can't. We can't always. We can't look at ourselves. We're not always our best judges, right? So if I am. I, if I'm ever that delusional, please, please tell me, because I can't. Um, you know, I can't do it alone. Is there anybody around Joe Biden? willing to stand up and say enough enough is enough it's over but he could have just retired as obama's vice president and that's the end of the story instead of embarrassing himself constantly i don't know how many um times i have to see clips of joe biden at his intimately attended gatherings of so-called supporters where he's telling people not to vote for him are you kidding me it's it's pathetic oh hey you should vote for trump you you should vote for trump are you that certain that you're you have such strong support that you can afford to lose any voters by demanding that somebody go vote for Trump. The, the guy, the last, well, there's so many things. What he called, he called a woman at a town hall. She asked him the question that we're pondering here. What makes you so, so sure you're the, per, the right person to go up against Trump? Because you, you're not able to win. You're not winning support. You're not gaining momentum. And... He asked her if she was if she had ever attended a caucus and she said yes and he says he responds you that's a damn lie you're a lying dog-faced pony soldier now um 
you're a lying dog face pony. You know how women love being called dog faces. I thought that we were concerned about the women vote. I don't understand what's happening. Could you imagine? This is why I'm like insane. Could you imagine if Bernie Sanders, for one second, if Bernie Sanders said, you're a lying dog face pony soldier, the corporate media would be, it would be on a loop. It would be on the ticker in Times Square. You're a law. You're a lawyer. Go vote. Let's have a push-up contest. You and me. Come on, man. Let's have a push-up contest. Could you imagine? It's unimaginable. It's like the same game we always play with Twitter. What if Obama did it? Put your. But we could play this game in other circumstances. What if Bernie? What if Bernie came in third? Instead of first in the last two contests. Now, we've been hearing forever and ever how the, uh, you, the nominee has to have momentum and how the nominee, the eventual no- nominee has to win no, the, you know, these, these pivotal states, has to get these uh, uh, groups. Now, Bernie has, um, he's building a coalition uh, not just old, angry old white men, young people, people, older people, people of different ethnicities. And he has an amazing fundraising apparatus. If any other candidate had it, they would be, they wouldn't have to be sucking ass in a, in a wine cave, sucking billionaire teat. And that's part of the problem. And thank you, Haiku for your super chat. Tara Jr., how you doing? All right. So, I don't know, guys. I'm, um, many things happened over the last couple of days watching the coverage of, uh, okay, he's jumping down. Good, good. I need my hands. I need, I need, in case somebody comes in, I have to, you know, start doing some karate or something. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, let me just play some uh, a clip to get us going, just to get co- completely into it, get my head in the game here. So I grabbed some MSNBC clips. It's unbelievable, really. But here is a clip from MSNBC. Apparently, where the heck is it? Third place is the new first place, according to this woman. Just talking about there in the break. Amy Klobuchar, the momentum is on her side. This would be a huge, huge victory for Amy. In fact, I would almost argue that a third place finish for Amy would be stronger and more important than a first place finish for Bernie. So, did you hear that? A third place is actually better than first place. And all over the corporate media, because Bernie... He won 60% of the vote in New, in New Hampshire in 2016. Now he didn't win 60%. So he's lost. He is a loser, apparently, according to all, every, all the pundits on MSNBC. Actually, here is another clip of Lawrence O'Donnell saying that. Sanders, though, doesn't run away with it. Isn't this, well, I mean, he hasn't running, even... Look, he can't run away with it. Look, last time, 
Four years ago, sitting right here, uh, Bernie Sanders won 60 percent of the vote. We were sitting here and it came in at 60 percent. He's going to get half that if he's lucky tonight. And by the way, when he won 60 percent of the vote last year in New Hampshire, that was not enough of a launching pad to actually win the nomination. So the story of the Sanders campaign so far this year is how much ground he's lost from four years ago. He's lost half of the support in New Hampshire. He's lost half of his support nationwide. He, he ran at 49% against Hillary Clinton nationwide last time. He's running about 25% nationwide. So all that support has gone to other people. Uh, and so it is very difficult right now to see what the route is to winning the nomination through the primaries at this point for any candidate. That route has not yet emerged. It could. It could easily emerge. Are but as of now, it's not there. It's unbelievable. Am I, am I out of my mind here? Who can legitimately go up against Twitter and, and win? Not only win, but shore up the, the holes in the system that, are made, that made a Twitter possible and ensure that another Twitter never rises again. We're in, a, we're in big trouble here. And now we have Bloomberg, run, who has jumped into the race, who's basically buying his way into the Democratic primary, and nobody's saying a goddamn thing that he was the Republican mayor of New York. And now this Republican, this billionaire, who is part of the problem, who is, uh, talk about not being able to build a, a, a racially diverse coalition, this guy ha is... Uh, the king of stop and frisk. He, the, the stop and frisks actually went up. He, although he's lying, he's saying he inherited stop and frisk. And I remember, I was here in New York. I lived here, I live here my whole life, you guys know. And I remember when this was going on and how adamant about stop and frisk these Republicans were and how Bloomberg was all for it. He is a champion of stop and frisk. And I couldn't imagine. I remember thinking about it, and my, my anger in my stomach would just crunch up thinking about what I would do if anybody on my way up wherever to the subway, walking up the block, if someone dared to stop me and throw me against the wall and frisk me. But they wouldn't do that, you see, because I'm a white woman. And there is the problem, not that not being a white woman, but the fact that they concentrated stop and frisk in uh, 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 into into neighborhoods, basically treating these di different neighborhoods, not not white neighborhoods like armed camps, like they were an occupying army. And. Notice now we don't have stop and frisk anymore. Of course, the Republicans love stop and frisk. They want to bring it back because it's about intimidation and keeping brown people down and tickling the racist funny bones of their base. But they're still don't. It doesn't matter if um, it doesn't work and it all it does is create dissension and hostility towards the police in uh, in these minority neighborhoods and and traumatize the people in those neighborhoods. I couldn't imagine because I would I work I live in Sunnyside, you guys know, and I I would walk around and imagine if there's a if there were cops. You don't see cops 
in Sunnyside stopping and frisking people? Of course not. Because that's not where they were doing it. But it was rampant here in New York, and it was a completely racist policy. And, and Bloomberg was all for it. Now all of a sudden, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I learned, I, I learned too late I, I, it, uh, about a policy that I adopted and, and enhanced. And I'm trying to find it. Here it is. Where is it? I just saw it on the intercept. They had the stats. Oh, thank you. Who just gave me a super chat? I just saw it pop. Thank you, Greg. 22 is my favorite number for my favorite podcaster, T. Buster. All right. Thank you. And I really want to thank you for saying that, that I'm your favorite podcaster, because there's a lot of really awesome podcasts out there, and I listen to a lot of them. So thank you. Uh, that means the world. It really does. Let me see. Was it The Intercept that I saw that? Oh, yeah. Here it is. Mike Bloomberg claims he cut stop and frisk by 95% after increasing it sevenfold. I mean, come on with this bullshit. They really count on the stupidity of the American people. And, the, and don't get me wrong. The American people are fucking stupid. I'm so sick of them. Honestly, I'm like, please, somebody in Ireland send me a lifeline. I don't know, because I was watching all day during the the vote yesterday. Of course, I had MSNBC on. That's probably why I'm so anxious constantly and infuriated. But it's almost like I have to, I hate watch it. You know what I mean? I'm, I, there's something I if I didn't have to do this, but it's not that I have to do this. Here's the other thing. I would be paying attention anyway. You know what I mean? I've always been that kind of person. I can't look away at, at injustice. And I feel like this country has so much potential. And we ha we're the only country whose founding documents talk about happiness, the pursuit of happiness. And e pluribus unum, out of many, one. That's, that's another way of saying we stick together, we win. That's another way of saying we're in this together. This is a great country. It is. It has the potential for greatness. But that's only, the country is only as good as those who are representing it. And we have, we have great um, promises in our founding documents. We've yet to achieve them. And we certainly have a bunch of fascists tearing it down again and um somebody like michael bloomberg who always pissed me off anyway i never voted for him of course because he's a goddamn republican he was the republican mayor of new york and the fact that he feels like he's actually now that i'm, I'm having a flashback i think somebody asked i think i was some reporter had asked me one time what I thought about Bloomberg and who this is around election time and who I voted for. And I can't quite remember who it was, but they, I remember saying to this person, this is a billionaire who plays at being the mayor. That's his hobby. 
because he can. It's, it's just something for him to do, to lord over the peons, the serfs. And anybody who, who votes for him, and I remember my father, because I've, I've uh, spoken to you guys about this before, how my father was a Reagan Democrat, so-called. So my father, well, he was a garbage man. He worked for the New York City Sanitation Department, and he was a Teamster, a union, a union member, a proud Teamster, and, you know, um, voted for effing Republicans, which pissed me off my entire life. As soon as I became politically aware, and I started, and I noticed the the envelopes from the Republican National Committee coming to the House and my father glued to Fox News when that became a thing and constantly listening to Rush Limbaugh. And I remember sitting in the car with him while he was listening to Rush Limbaugh. This is before I could drive when I was still young. I was still a teenager, a young teenager, and listening to this racist asshole and being appalled. I remember being completely appalled at my father and my father said to me um, about Bloomberg and I was like, how could you vote for this, 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 this rich asshole? And he said, at least he can't be bought. That was my father really believed that because Bloomberg had his own money, he couldn't be bought. And that's, I think, is the appeal, partly, of Trump and, um, you know, to these Republicans who think that, you know, that that's uh, these rich guys, that they're somebody that they like to have a beer with. And Bloomberg is, he's, he's a Republican. He is a Pete Buttigieg in another circumstance. He's somebody who, it's like Pete Buttigieg is a Republican. If Bloomberg, same thing I, I say to Pete Buttigieg, I say to Bloomberg, if you really wanted to help defeat Twitler, if you really wanted to do something for the Democratic Party, you would run as a effing Republican. Use your money in the Republican campaign. Fine then go be a Republican. If you want to unseat Twitler, run as a Republican, the Republican you are. Because right now, the Republicans are, I mean, the Democratic, um, the uh, corporate Democrats are like sane, I guess, I'm the only, well, are they sane? They're, they're Republicans. The corporate Democrats are Republicans who haven't completely sold out to an, uh, an autocrat. I mean, what are the Republicans today? What are Republicans? They're not, they're, they're not really Republican. When you think about the, um, the Eisenhower's Republican Party, that's not them. The, they, they are fascists. The, they are authoritarians. Look at what they are doing to the Justice Department, sticking their noses into Roger Stone's sentencing agreement this is a this is not a drill this is an emergency let me see hold on roger stone i should have got this article because i was looking at roger stone's crimes anyway where is it oh uh, here's oh the federalist 
A nine-year prison sentence for Roger Stone is insane. Here's a guy that... I'm trying to get the list of his crimes. Because it was... It's appalling. Intimidating witnesses. Bribery. God. Anyway, I'll try to find it. This is why I need someone to executive produce. You know what I mean? I could be like, give me that uh, Roger Stone article. Anyway... In the meantime, what I was talking about was, was Bloomberg. So here's what he says about stop and frisk. I inherited the police practice of stop and frisk as part of our effort to stop gun violence, and it was, it was overused, he said in a statement. Give me a break. By the time I left office, the statement continued, I cut it back by 95%. I should have done it faster and sooner. That, and that is not true, though. I regret that I have apolo- and I have apologized. Sorry, no, that's what he said. I regret. I regret that, and I have apologized, and I have taken responsibility for taking too long to understand the impact it had on Black and Latino communities. Give me a break. The statement drew immediate backlash over its twisting of history in 2001. New York City maintained an aggressive program of stopping and searching people throughout the city with an overwhelming focus on young African-American and Latino men. But under the Bloomberg administration, the program was vastly expanded from around 97,296 stops in 2002 to a height of 685,724 in 2011, a more than seven-fold increase during the mayor's tenure. So how has he got the nerve to go up there and say, I, I reduced it by 95%? Lying is the new what? what uh, it's the new truth now. Just like winning is the new losing. And third place is the new winning in America, in the American political zeitgeist. Hey, guys, if you're on, I see some people on Periscope. I don't know what's happening. Are you reading these? It says Mix on Periscope. Come over to YouTube. I don't see your, I, I, I don't really see you. I can't see you all. If everybody's on YouTube. All right, guys. Dogs are the new cats. Up is the new down. Right? Walking is the new sitting. (laughs) Tea is the new coffee. I don't know. And Republicans are the new Democrats. That is the truth. That's and that's what uh, Bill Clinton. That's what he called. That's his new rebranding of the Democratic Party. It was the new Democrats. Why am I getting all these Periscope people? Maybe that's good because I'm I'm looking at the chat. I have on my screen, I can see the YouTube chat, and then I have something called Re... What is it called? It's my um, Ecamm. I do the show through a program called Ecamm, and that has a an extension that will show me some chats, but it's easier for me to just see the YouTube chats, but I guess for some reason, 
now I can see the Twitter chats too, or the Periscope chats on this app. I guess that's good. Maybe they did an update. Because all of a sudden I see Periscope chats. Not that anybody really cares. I know that's not why you tuned into the show. I don't know. And also, good news, though, I have to say thank you all for your donations, your super chats, and your patronage. Because of you, I was able to purchase a new audio interface, and it seems to work. And I spoke to Poppy Champlin, and she's going to be on the show on Saturday. And we'll we'll have the phone back. We had a problem without, I wasn't able to take calls because the people who called in couldn't hear me. And ends up, I think it was the audio interface that was broken. So thank you for all of your support. That's, this is what we're doing. We're building a show. We're building a community. And I can't do it alone. So thank you very much, guys. And that's a real practical thing that you were, you helped happen, make happen. And hopefully we'll be able to get more callers. I would like to open the phones more. And uh, I keep threatening to do that. So why not goddamn do it? All right. Come back up. Here comes Tara Jr. Come on. Come on. All right. I know. They're very nice. Well, one good thing that happened was uh, all day I was losing my mind listening to MSNBC. And this morning I was watching MSNBC. I was watching Morning Joe, which drives me insane. I was hate watching. And they were continuously spinning Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar as the winners and how Bernie has lost so much support. And it makes you wonder if, let's just say, what if the corporate media weren't against Bernie? How, how well he would be doing? And, in fact, I, I, one heartening woman, the MSNBC voter, um, MSNBC, because MSNBC, come on. Then, uh, and then today, I got to tell you, then I turned over to the BBC I don't know if you guys have, if you've ever watched the BBC and compared it to American corporate media, you want to cry. You really do. It, they actually had stories on the BBC, shit that was going on, not just up in the polls, down in the polls. Who's up? They, they're like stroking polls on MSNBC and CNN, for that matter. All, it's just nothing but polls. And what Twitler did, what the latest tweet. And then they have a roundtable. Who is discussing it? Which corporate mouthpiece uh, position on the same shit again and again and again? And intercut with Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar. It's ridiculous. There's shit going on. And you know what? Uh, other people that I know who are politically aware, um, I was telling them about Twitlers undoing the FDA rules that allows that that cuts the inspectors on the slaughter line, the murder line. Not only does it increase the speed of the slaughter line, 
it's uh, it, they also reduced the number of FDA inspectors on the slaughter line to from seven to zero, but not a mention of this this shit on MSNBC, not a, not a mention of Twitler's attack on Medicaid and Social Security, and uh, uh, it's just it's never ending t- tweets. And polls, and, and all about how Bernie is a socialist, had a heart attack, and could not win, even though he keeps winning. So a woman on MSNBC, I was watching live when they, they were going around to the voters, and it was making me sick because, and this is why I say the American people are stupid, because they, had, they were interviewing people. Are you decided? What do you think? Who are you voting for? Who, uh, tell us who you're voting for. Oh, I don't know. I was going between Klobuchar and Biden, and then I saw um, Pete Buttigieg. And, uh, and then they actually had a woman that came up, and she said, I don't know. I just went eeny, meeny, miny, mo." I was like, fuck you. Are you kidding me? This is what I'm talking about. And it's not really her fault, though. She's such a dumb bitch. She's living in a country that, it, that cultivates that kind of ignorance by design. They want her that stupid. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, that's, all, that's, that's very all well and good. Ha, 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 ha. They all laughed. Oh, you just went eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Meanwhile, um... Uh, you know, uh, the, the, st- the fucking fate of Earth is on the line, bitch. You dumb fucking moron. And then uh, that's why I'm like, this is why this, this world, not, this, not just this country, but the goddamn Earth is hanging by a thread because of dumb bitches like that. I just went eeny, meeny, miny, woo. You fucking dumb bitch. Well, don't come crying to us, bitch, when your social security, your socialist security, your socialist Medicare, when all you, when you fucking get sick eating a dead pig because it had, you've been eating uh, pig feces because now Twitter allows more feces, toenails, and uh, sex organs into the meat. You fucking dumb bitch, and and then they don't even have an FDA inspector on the line. They they get to you call up the corporation. Hey, corporation, any feces, toenails, and um and uh, vaginas in your in your meat now? Oh no no, we're all ke- we're completely feces free over here. It's all self-reporting with these fuckers. I need to calm down. And that I was like, are you kidding me? And I have to, oh, I really control myself because I can't, though. I'm there screaming shit out at the television, and I'm, I want to get the hell out of here. I'm like, why? Why was I born in this country? Why couldn't I have, I, I have been born in Ireland, I say, right? Or even Denmark. You know, I know how they're like, oh, Denmark. How, um, what's his face? Fucking, uh, that other son of a bitch, Deine Deutsch. He's like, oh, America, they're going to turn us into fucking Denmark. And I'm like, please, you're singing my song. I hope, I wish, I wish we were that smart 
to understand that we're in this together, that we are, it's, um, that you build an economy from the ground up, not the bottom, not the top down, you motherfucking selfish piece of shit. These people, it's like selfishness and greed. Wait, let's put the cat down. He's getting upset. I'm screaming. Are the only American values anymore. I got mine. Don't worry about the 85 fucking million Americans who have zero health care. You got yours, right? But so eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Who wants to eat a pig's fucking toe? Boom, you dumb bitch. <sighs> oh, my God. Anyway, but there was one person at MSNBC that told them a little bit about themselves. Racist. Are well, not just Bernie. Here's a clip of a Bernie. xenophobe, a homophobe, and a religious bigot. And those are his nice qualities. Okay, and now they cut to the lady. You can see just how tough it's getting. Now we're here back with our Manchester voters. I want to check in. I see some stickers. You voted today. Yes. Who did you vote for? Pete. Why? Uh, he's moderate. He's smart. He's moderate. He's, oh, wait, I just hit the wrong Pete. Why? He's moderate. Uh, he's moderate. What the fuck does moderate mean, you dumb bitch? I mean, really, uh, what is moderate when you're living in the least upwardly mobile with the widest income gap of all oh, of our, all of our Western partners? What is moderate when one-third of the American people can't retire? What's fucking moderate? Oh, we like... Healthcare for some, leaving some behind. Oh, well, it's not e pluribus unum, out of many, one, out of many, some. Uh, he's moderate. He will never win. Okay, he's moderate. What, is that, what does that mean? He gets to suck on billionaire uh, teeth in a wine cave, and that's okay? And when the country is sold out? To the big moneyed interests, but that's all of they all that they deserve, right? All that we think we deserve now in this country. It's dog eat dog. We don't do a goddamn thing for anybody else. And if there's somebody that doesn't have health care, oh fucking well. If somebody can't retire, oh well. Better luck next life, sucker. I got mine out of many some. Uh, he's moderate. What does that mean? So you think that someone like Pete Buttigieg would really be able to go up against Twitler and win? Because I don't think so. You need somebody who is at least um, has enough, someone who generates enthusiasm from the base, who gets people out to vote. Not just somebody who says, I'm not Twitler. That's not good enough. And everybody, but I don't know. I, I know this. Just like the last time. I feel like I'm repeating 2016. It wasn't that I was so against Hillary Clinton. Of course, I, I wanted Bernie. But I voted for Hillary Clinton, yes, and I would happily, I'll vote for fucking Pete Buttigieg if I have to. But honestly, I will, of course I will. But come on, if I'm having a, tr- a trouble 
thinking of pulling the fucking lever for him. There will be many people who will stay home. They're not going to come out and vote. They're going to be so like, oh, well, fuck this. And you know how motivated Twitler's base is to protect his fascist dictator envying ass. What is moderate? And they're not going to come out for Pete goddamn Buttigieg, and he's everything that Twitler will, will, will be able to kneecap him with his sucking on billionaire teat in the goddamn wine cave for one thing. Because if, believe it or not, in that scenario where, as my father said, well, at least Bloomberg can't be bought, that's where these Twitler MAGA morons are coming from. They think that Trump is doing his own thing. He's, uh, he's uh, a monkey wrench in the system, in the corrupt system. And he's working for the forgotten man and woman. Even though we know that's so full of shit, as to be goddamn pathetically laughable, but in this scenario of Pete Buttigieg and Twitler, Twitler has the moral high ground in that regard. My God. And on top of that, you have his, I mean, not just, I mean, I'm gay, so whatever, but that's going to be a problem. And... The, uh, what else? And it's not just that he's, uh, he's gay. It's, uh, his youth on, uh, is against him as well. His privilege. That's what really turns black people off, I believe. Not that I'm speaking for black people or people of, uh, who, uh, who are not white. Not, you know, obviously I'm not speaking for them. But I, I get irritated by it. His white male privilege. You know for a fact that if he was a black person or a woman, there would be no way that a, a woman who's 37 years old or a black person would have that much help from the corporate media. They would say, oh, come back later when you're a little bit, little bit more mature. Like AOC. How old is AOC? AOC age. Let's see. Uh, Alex age. Okay. Age. She's 30. Okay. So she's still young. I mean, I knew she was young. Or Ilan Omar. Imagine. They'd say, oh, she's too young. It's He is just too goddamn young. And honestly, that... His, his arrogance is uh, concerning to me. He doesn't know what he doesn't know. There's nothing that replaces the wisdom of experience. God damn it. And, he, and he's too fucking arrogant. He's not new. He's bringing, he's turning a page, bringing a new way, a new way to, no fucking way. He's not new. He's not bringing anything new to Washington. He's just young. Bringing a, a, turning a pay, all of his platitudes make me want to vomit. And that's what people are attracted to, I guess. I guess this is what drives me insane. That 
people are buying that? I get really um, despondent when I think of how stupid people are. Do they really believe that shit? They believe turning the page a new way. All of the words that come out of his mouth that say absolutely nothing, that mean nothing. I knew I captured something. Wait, booty. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, we were talking about this the other day. When Jonathan K. Part said, <laughs> it's, it's so um, fulsome, his responses. Here we go. I'd like to know if you were only permitted to accomplish one thing when president, what specifically would, would it be? Just one. Just one. <laughs> wow. Just one. Well, there he is. It's there he is thinking. He's, he's very deep. He, he can think these deep thoughts in five languages, don't you know? I don't know what he's fucking saying. Maybe it's so deep I don't get it. But I don't, I'm no dummy. I see right through this facade. Are you serious? Well, let, let him speak for himself. A sizzling, glamorous issue, but the shape of our democracy is the issue that affects every other issue. So wow. Deep. The shape of our democracy is an issue that affects every other issue. Flying and twirling and floating into freedom is, is only aspirational when you're in a paradigm of elitism and defeatism and bringing a new way to the Washington establishment elite, right? What the fuck did I just say? I said as much as he said. I mean, come on. Give me a break here. The shape of... Uh, I, and I love his... And by love, I mean I don't love it. to know if you... His... His furrowed brow, it may not be glamorous because I'm really, I'm just keeping it real here. I'm just a 37-year-old guy. I'm a gay dude who, who only wants the best for my country, and that means me. I want what I want. What I want when I want it, like, a, and I'm not going to take no for an answer. And if that means having to pre say anything a and at the same time say absolutely nothing, I'm, I'm your guy. If that also means saying things like money in politics we, is uh, part of the problem, well, I don't even know, he, he, he said something about money in politics, while having the most billionaires of any candidate now. If you're so adamant about the corruption, the corrosive influence of money in politics, of course you have to be a dum-dum or part of the problem not to see it, then be a man of your convictions. Have the courage of those convictions. Run a campaign that doesn't have to rely on billionaires in a wine cave 
to fund you because those are the people that you owe allegiance to. Like anybody, you dance with the ones who brought you to the ball. And I don't want to hear this shit. Somebody said, uh, we were talking about this maybe the other time, one other day, I don't know, whatever, where he was saying how, oh, uh, now they're going to, it was a tweet, actually. Oh, no, I saw it on fucking MSNBC, of course, right? And somebody said, oh, well, if Pete Buttigieg gets elected, he will have to turn around and say to black people and Native Americans and Latinos, uh, thank you for, for your faith in me. Now I owe a debt to you or something like that. And I will, have, I will pay my debt to, to these communities. Bullshit. And simultaneously in that statement, not, not having any self-awareness to understand that what you're saying, basically, is that you feel indebted to those who bring you to the ball. So if, um, if she's insinuating that he'll have some kind of epiphany that, oh, well, yeah, I will have to be uh, better around issues that uh, involve those who aren't straight and, or whatever, not just straight, obviously, or white people, anybody other than white people. And uh, he's not going to think that way. The, and the, it's, that's the crux of the issue. We are human beings. We've, we don't want to offend our benefactors. It's like when you're at work. You don't want to get too, into a political argument with your boss because your boss is signing your paychecks. That's your livelihood at stake. It's the same thing. If you're getting funded by billionaires, if you have the most billionaires funding your campaign, who are you going to be indebted to? This is why we are in the boat we're in. And if he's so adamant that money and politics is, is part of the problem, then show us. Don't just tell us. Because he's full of shit, that's why. But... Give me a break here. Let's hear this again. The shape of our democracy is the issue that affects every other issue. So get the get what shape is our democracy? What is it? Is it an octagon? Is it a is a rectangle? Oh God! The shape. Listen, it's not it's not glamorous what I'm about to say, but. It will be a lot of words coming out that mean absolutely nothing. And I could say those words in four languages. Five. Five. He's so transparent. It's, it's like a so it's, – it's a – he reminds me of, I think – okay, what am I trying to say? He reminds me of – ever see Star Trek The Next Generation? Data. Data. The character of Data, the android – has more empathy. That was Data's issue. He wanted to be more human. That Data character has more empathy for other other creatures than I feel from this sociopath, Pete Buttigieg. There's something not right with him. He's definitely a some kind of narcissist 
to be 37 years old and to think that you can be the president of the goddamn United States. Are you serious? Oh, he's a soldier. And you know my feeling on that, too. My feeling is just my gut, just my gut. That was he. That was something he, he had to tick off on his resume, on his rise to political glory. Which, hey, everybody has different reasons for signing up. And not all of them are, are altruistic, that's for sure. But give me a break. Just because somebody wears a uniform doesn't mean that they have... That they have more somehow, a uh, more authority somehow. There's all different ways to serve your country. And you don't necessarily have to be in uniform to do it. To be a soldier. And that's a whole other story. Which I, I'm so sick of this militarism in this country. Where we venerate soldiers to a point where they could do no wrong. And that's a, that's a dangerous place to be. Coming from somebody who wore the uniform. I did put on the goddamn uniform. I took the oath. I served the country in uniform. But there's other ways to serve. It doesn't make you better than anybody else. I think that Bernie has done more for this country than Pete Buttigieg could ever dream in a thousand lifetimes. Especially because he's part of the problem. He is propping up the broken system that put us in this situation, that gave us Twitler. And that's why I'm so agitated constantly and upset thinking about what the corporate media and the elite sitting in the ivory tower who have health care, who are going to be able to retire, who want to work and they want to do jobs that they think are fun, like mayor of New York and president. Because it's fun, something to do, you know? It's like a hobby to them. They want to, what? You want to have control over people's lives. They're not doing anything. What are you doing that's making somebody's life better? What the hell did Bloomberg do when, it, when he was un- unleashing the police in, in these communities, these uh, minority communities that were terrorizing people in, in his own city? That they have to feel like they're members of a... That they're under siege from an occupying force. And the rest of New York City pitting people against each other. There they go again. And that's, that's, your, that's your Republican mayor. Oh, be afraid. Be afraid. Right? That's the underlying theme there. Be afraid of brown people. They're more, they're scary. You gotta, you gotta throw them against the wall sometimes. You, then you can't be trusted. They can't just walk down the street. They might hurt you. They might, they, they might be carrying weapons. Meanwhile, what's happened to the crime rate in New York? Stop and Frisk, had, stop and frisk has done not, did nothing. Nothing but terrorize the community. That's all it did. Because it, 
terrorized not just the communities that were being terrorized. It terrorized the entire city. Because then you're thinking, oh, these people, nah, I didn't think that way. I knew what the fuck was going on. But some people who are dumb b- bastards, like that dumb bitch that was like eeny, meeny, miny, mo when she went to vote, they're, they're like, oh, I should be afraid of these, these certain communities and certain, by certain I mean brown. I hate them. I mean Republicans. It's true though, because this is what they do. It's complete malpractice. You should they should be elevating communities, unifying communities, but under the name of what they think is unifying communities, or what they are, they, what they pretend is un- oh we're we're keeping you safe. That's our solemn oath. No, it's not. Your solemn oath is to stir up hatred against minority groups so you can tickle racist funny bones and get support for dumb fucks to go and vote for you in the election so you could suck on and, uh, the government teeth so you could write laws to ensure that the, that the game stays rigged in your favor. And while we're out here living our daily lives in the aftermath, in the, in the consequences of the actions that they take, instead of, they're not unifying communities. They don't challenge any, any of the racist assholes to, to uh, look at themselves and say, hey, I need to evolve. What they do is they, they like every good fascist, like Henry Wallace says, Exploit every fissure of disunity. Exploit it. Oh, there's a little bit of a crack in the common front, right? Oh, so let me pour some salt in that wound. Let me unleash the cops into this community so that the community starts looking at the cops as the enemy and vice versa. That's only human nature. So we want this fucking, this, we don't want him, this motherfucker. Then he comes in saying, oh, I'm not even going to go to all these certain states. I'm just going to run ads for the dumb fucks who go eeny, meeny, miny, mo to say, oh, wow. And you know what? I like Bloomberg. He's, he's moderate and he's electable and he's a businessman and he can't be bought. He can't be bought, but he sure can buy an election from the dumb fuckers. So we uh, ensure, this is the only reason, Ber- I mean, uh, Bloomberg is in there is because Bernie, he's afraid. These mother effers are afraid that the party is over for them. They don't want us to get any, they don't want us to have a foothold. I don't know what it is about themselves that they're so scared and tiny. They want us, the entire world to be scared and tiny like them. You see what I'm saying? They're trying to make us all scared and tiny. Because we understand that we, if we, if, if, well, they understand that if we ever really got the fact that we are in this together, that their game is over. And 
fact, in this game, this is what's so sick about them, is that they, they'll still be rich. They'll still be okay. But what is it about sharing a civilization of, of a real civilization that works for all, of a society that you could all be proud of, that leaves no one behind, what is it about that that offends them so much? And in order for them to have power, they have to turn us all into them. Tiny, selfish, greedy, scared. That's who they are inside. They have to be, have to be so weak and so pitiful, ultimately. And un- they know that, ultimately. It doesn't matter how much money they have. Because if they weren't that way, they wouldn't be working so hard against the common interest. They would get up every morning and say, I will not rest until America has a full functioning democracy free of the big moneyed interest corrupting it. I won't rest until we have free and fair elections where we can meet each other fairly and squarely on the field of ideas without money. And when I won't rest until every American who wants to retire can fucking retire. I won't rest until every single American has a roof over their heads. Where everyone has a living wage and is treated uh, uh, fairly and equally. Where you put in a, a, a day's labor, you get an honest day's pay. I won't rest until the CEO is back making 50 times the lowest paid worker, like we did during the time of the great prosperity. God, these fucking fucks. The 2,600 billionaires on earth. It's not even that. How many billionaires are there? I keep asking this question and answering it, but I keep forgetting. How many billionaires on earth? Number of billionaires, 2,153 in the world. That's not even the same. There were more more people on the goddamn subway this morning. Unbelievable. Jeff Bezos is the wealthiest of them all. One fucking Jeff Bezos motherfucker... He's the wealthiest of all. And he paid zero taxes last year. His company, Amazon, that drives our roads, whose workers read, they're able to, they were able to pass their driving test because of the socialist school system that taught them to read. Uh, on and on. They, they wake up in the morning. They make their morning coffee. Dr- they drink from the tap. The, and, uh, you know, they don't, they, they don't have to call in sick because the water is tested because of socialism. Some sick fucking socialist said, hey, you know, you shouldn't have to, it, wouldn't it be a lot better for civilization if we got together and we hired somebody as a community and said, hey, we, we, these are our standards. 
in water. We don't want parasites. We don't want pollution. You can't just put, you know, you can't shit and piss in the water. Not that the food is any different. The food is different now because the Republicans are in charge, and that's how much they hate you. They think you're garbage, so they want you to eat piss and shit, and that's it. I know, Junior, I know. Oh, where is the, what the fuck was I talking about? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just sick of it all. And, and that's when I'm watching MSNBC. This, this is all of the thoughts in my head. I'm like, how is this happening? How are, how are we so stupid? How are we allowing this to continue? Oh, wait, did I play that lady? Yeah. Wait, am I? Now I'm, I forget. I'm losing track of all the videos. The MSNBC lady who said that she, she voted for Bernie because she, um, because of MS, MSNBC's constant bashing of Bernie. Here's another one. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Well, here's Lawrence O'Donnell. I have a few of these. Oh, well. I don't know. I'm sorry. I keep, uh, I know, Junior. I know. So we got MSNBC third place is the new first place. Here's Lawrence O'Donnell. Oh, yeah, we were playing this when Lawrence O'Donnell said that, that Bernie is really losing that he won. To right. get better oh, outcomes no. <laughs> on. Wrong funding. video. Wrong. I don't want to hear him. Let me see what other Pete Buttigieg videos I have. Wait a minute. Um, oh, yeah, here's another one. ...in a conversation about opening your fundraisers, and that's a question that reporters have been asking for months now, so I'm wondering when do you expect to, be, to actually have that conversation and give, like, an answer on that? Uh, again, I don't have a timeline for you. Well, as the candidate, can you just direct your campaign to open those fundraisers? What's that? As the candidate, can you just direct your campaign Yes. Here's a video of reporters asking Buttigieg. Um, wait, what were, they, what were they asking him? Why don't you just wait? Let me get the right question. Here. Yes, the fundraiser because he's having secret fundraisers in wine caves with billionaires. So the two thousand whatever billionaires on Earth, forty of them, whatever that percentage is, it's a lot. Of billionaires, the a high percentage of billionaires on Earth are supporting this motherfucker, and the reporters are asking Buttigieg, "Well, when are you go going to open up your the the list or show us the list of your fundraise your your funders?" And he's he's hedging, and uh, this video was he's late in the day. And he's not, he's, it's basically his mask is falling off. He's not able to do his rat face little uh, cutesy dance for everyone that, that pleases Mika Brzezinski so much. He's clearly, he's just a little fucking arrogant little cuss, basically. And the reporters are like, well, why don't you just open up the, the books? Why don't you show us? You, aren't you the candidate? 
can't you just say, okay, guys, show them the billionaire funders. What the fuck is the secret? And he he's uh, dismissing them. What's up? Why have you done so uh, There are a lot of considerations, and I'm thinking about it. Last question. Can you give us an example of those considerations? No. You see? No. He's a very dismissive little son of a bitch. No. No. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's why Mika loves him. Thank you. And then there was another one where someone asked him, does getting money out of politics also include ending your your wine your uh, meetings with wine cake with um billionaires that's what he meant yes yes here's ah uh, yeah now the audio's bad it's someone's own cell phone took this i wanted to ask if you think that taking old um it's hard to read Taking big money out of politics includes not taking money off of billionaires in closed-door fundraisers. No. No. Really? That's a little bit weird. I wanted to ask if you think that taking big money out of politics includes not taking money off of billionaires in closed-door fundraisers and Buttigieg says no. How is that even a thing? So, the other thing I wanted to... Yes, yeah, someone on the chat I just saw. Where is it? Who said it? I can't remember. Off the top of my head. That someone on MSNBC... Oh, yes, executive decision. The Tara mentioned the woman interviewed on MSNBC who complained about how they marginalized Bernie Sanders. And I don't know if I did... I thought I did, but then I I had a brain fart. So here is the voter. I think maybe I started to play it, and then I went off on a tirade. So Racist! Yes, that's what happened. So here we go. Oh, yes, yes, that's what happened. Now I'm remembering because... Go for it. Pete. Wait, wait. Why? <laughs> I'm sorry. I got way off track because the woman said, I voted for... Pete Buttigieg, well, she said, Pete, Mayor Pete, and um, because he's moderate, and I went on a 45-minute rant <laughs> about that, but, and I never finished the video, so here's the rest of it. He's moderate. Bitch. Who did you vote for? I voted for Bernie, um, although there are a number of candidates that I really like, and so I felt like I, I, when I finished voting, I was still undecided, um, including Elizabeth, including Michael Bennett, for that matter. Now, that's sort of a paradox, to, to decide and then feel undecided. <laughs> so you're a complex person. Right. Uh, well, <laughs> yes, but I want to say the reason I went for Bernie is um, because of MSNBC. And <laughs> very... Go on. <laughs> I think it is completely cynical to say that he's lost 50% of his vote um, from the last time when there were two candidates. Now there are multiple wonderful candidates who would be great presidents and people that we could, I think, that we can unify and get behind. But the, the, the kind of the stop Bernie cynicism that I heard from a number of people, I watch MSNBC constantly, so I heard that from a number of commentators. And so that just, it made me angry enough 
I said, okay, Bernie's got my vote. This is a, such an interesting point. What you're saying is, and, and we take criticism because we're journalists, right? We, we got to be open-minded. You're saying that hearing from people, whether it's guests, contributors, the conversations you've heard that you felt were designed to tear down uh, Senator Sanders or quote-unquote stop him actually endeared him to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I could have chosen a, several candidates, but that's what pushed me over the edge for Bernie. That's really interesting, and thank you for sharing it. See, I knew you, I knew you were complex. That's so interesting. Thank you for sharing. Of course, that never made it onto MSNBC's highlight clip reel. That's for sure. But it's true. I'm glad that I'm not the only one who noticed. And this woman was clearly open-minded looking at other candidates. And I obviously she's less liberal than I am. But, you know, she's thinking about Michael Bennett. That's kind of annoying, but whatever. And Pete Buttigieg, I mean, come on. He's so irritating. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. There's something about him. I think it's his narcissism that gets me annoyed. And I think it's also that he, so many people are buying the bullshit. They're falling for the for the game. It's whatever. I don't know. But, um, yeah, the woman told told them right to their face that they're fucked up and they should know that but that's part of the 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 whole purpose of having a corporate media of course the corporate media wants a moderate because they like it they like what's happening now they don't care about the american way truth justice and the american way ultimately they hate America as much as the fascists do. They would be just as happy in any other system. They're not here trying to prop up democracy and make it function. If that's the truth. They don't worship the, the Constitution or whatever. They worship the goddamn unholy dollar. That's it. End of sentence. Just like Les Moonves, of the CEO of, or the, I think he's out of C, the uh, of CBS, but whatever, said, Trump may not be good for America, but he sure is good for CBS. That's the whole agenda in a nutshell. This is why we have six transnational corporations running our media. And the effing right-wing Democrats, the DLC um, Bill Clinton signing the Telecommunications Act. If you think, if if the corporate media really believed in democracy, why would they would they lobby for something like the Telecommunications Act? Why would they? They would use their money. You know what I mean? They would use their power to say, "Whoa, whoa, rein it in. We're rich enough. We have enough." outlets we don't need to concentrate media in and uh, only six hands we don't need to have cross ownership of newspapers and radios and television stations we're we have enough money it's better for democracy if we have a diverse playing field and competition give me a fucking break of course they wouldn't do that it's and even saying that is comical in a sense, but it's also tragic. Given where we are, it's tragic because 
We should think like that. We should understand that cultivating democracy is uh, doesn't. It's not a birthright. We earn it, and we have to protect it. It's not like it's passed down on high, and it it's the natural state of affairs. No effing way. And it can die in one generation, just like it did in numerous, countless republics before us. In in Western history. A republic, a democracy, a government of, by, and for the people is not the natural state of affairs. We've had very few republics throughout world history, and most of them have failed. That's just the bottom line, including older, much older republics like the Roman Republic. And they had in their DNA, much as like we do, supposedly, loving America. We love America. How many, how, we always have to hear how Democracy. Oh, we're a democracy. Did you vote today? Oh, who'd you vote for? Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. All of that, that's in your DNA. They're still voting, but they don't seem to get that how, how much does it matter, ultimately, when the wants and needs of working people have a statistically in, insignificant effect on government policy. They don't seem to get that we are st- we're, we're over the edge we're already over the edge and a moderate who is begging billionaires in a wine cave to fund his campaign because he wants to be president what does he want to be president for why why do you want to be president Pete Buttigieg Amy Klobuchar what the fuck are you bringing to the table oh I'm moderate What does that mean when we're living in a country where income disparity is worse than it was in the Roman goddamn empire? People don't believe that, but that is the truth. I know I've said that. It's one of my talking points. American income, but I think something like that is what people can understand then. It's like that video we played last week from CBS where people had a really distorted view of income disparity in the United States. They thought they, the, the pie, remember the guy had the pie, he cut up the pieces of pie, and he asked people, show me where, th- if this is the American economy, how many pieces of pie go on the plates of the poor, the middle class, the rich? And people were putting all the, oh, we'll have uh, six pieces here on the middle class. Like there's a fucking middle class. And one over here with the the rich and then over here with the poor. And the actual picture is incredibly disturbing where the rich have nine slices. So you have the ten slices of pie. The rich have nine. The super rich have four, whatever. I don't know. Now those are too many slices now. But you know what I'm saying. Well, what they did was they, they, they cut it up. They put the most on the 1%. And then he put more on the, one, the top 1% of the 1%. And the middle class and the upper middle class got to share the one slice. And the poor got crumbs. Then you had the working poor that got some crumbs. And then you had a bill on the poor because they are less they owe pie 
Anyway, whatever. For those who didn't see it and know what the hell I'm talking about. Anyway, and that's why I get depressed. Because it's not just that we're in, we're living in this disparity. It's that we're surrounded by stupidity and those who are living in a delusion. They don't know what the fuck is going on. They're, they're stupid. Nah, they're ignorant, I guess. Stupid is, what's worse? Well, ignorant is curable, right? Stupidity is, that goes to the bone. Oh, Junior, please just pick a spot. (laughs) Wait, hold on, I'm looking something up here. Wait, yes, you, as, I know I say this, but this is the truth. A study from that socialist, well, it's just uh, one of the articles written about it, one of the socialist rags that wrote about the income disparity was Business Insider. Even the, um, the ancient Roman Empire wasn't as equal as America today. Some 1,500 years after the fall of the Roman Empire, the supposedly advanced and progressive United States of America is plagued by even worse income disparity. Uh, Tim Deschamps at Per Square Mile reached this conclusion based on a study by historians Walter Scheidel and Stephen Friesen. Rome's top 1% controlled 16% of the wealth compared to modern America, where the top 1% controls 40%. And this was written in 2011, so you know it's worse. Uh, Let's see. At the end, they made a point that's really difficult to parse, yet pro- Provocative. They point out that the majority of extant Roman ruins resulted from the economic activities of the top 10%. Yet the disproportionate visibility of the... This doesn't make any sense, whatever. I just pulled out a, a paragraph, and it's not making any sense. In, it's completely out of context. In other words, what we see as the glory of Rome isn't really is really just the rubble of the rich built on the backs of poor farmers and laborers. Okay. Well, anyway, the point is this income disparity in the United States is worse than we could we imagine. Worse than most people understand. And this is why we need a Bernie Sanders. Are you kidding me? Not only who isn't bought who is it has it in his soul who's been fighting for the for the same things in his entire life who has pushed this country to the left he has we wouldn't have a $15 minimum wage as the democratic on the democratic platform and enacted in many states if it weren't for Bernie Sanders and that came when it's only a couple of years ago during the 2016 campaign when uh, who who the hell uh you know what's her name Hillary Clinton was talking about how pie in the sky it was i don't want to overpromise what are you talking about these effing moderates 
This is what makes me sick about them. I don't want to overpromise. What promises are you overpromising in the wine cave? You don't have to overpromise because promises made and promises kept. What are you overpromising in the wine cave? You're not what do they they never say that about the rich though. I don't want to overpromise. But, you know, uh because what what more do they want? That's what's so disturbing. And I say it all the time because I want this to become part of the democratic zeitgeist, our common, the way that we argue, our talking points. We have to frame it as a peri, uh, peri, as a patriotic imperative. I was in my mind mixing two words. We have to frame our progressive revolution as a patriotic imperative. Like, fuck you, Pete Buttigieg. You're not, it's not patriotic to what? What is he promising? What is bringing a new way to Washington? Turning the page. What are we fucking turning the page? The, because the, the page is the goddamn same old book. That's all he's selling. He's not bringing anything new to Washington except, okay, if he's, uh, he's got a husband, wonderful, who came out of the closet when all the hard work of, of fighting for marriage equality was done. He's been in the closet. He's been in the closet his entire adult life until recently. So, okay, good for him. He's out. But this is what I'm talking about. That kind of cowardice to proclaim the victory after all the hard work has been done, and now he's going to come and, and do what? That's why the corporations love him. Yes, it's, it will be better to have a president that isn't an international embarrassment. Oh, who's somebody who knows how to form a sentence, who can tweet uh, normal things. Who knows how to spell? Wonderful. Wonderful. But that's not good enough. And this is what they're, they're promising. This is the corporate media change we can believe in. That's what they want. It's, it's, everything stays the same. But the chaos, roll back the chaos a little bit. You know what I mean? Tone down the chaos. Let's have a, li- a little bit uh, ca- kinder, a kinder, a less, um, you know, bigoted. No, we don't, not racist. We don't like this racist stuff. No, no. Um, yeah, uh, Nazis aren't very fine people. No, no, we get it. We don't like that part of fascism, but we'll take everything else. We'll take the corporate tax breaks and we'll fight to and to make sure that they stay that way, we'll take it. If the sheeple start getting a little uppity, we're gonna turn all of our guns at, against the only candidate who isn't bought at all. The one who's calling it like it is, saying it like it is. I mean, how long we've been sa- talking about Bernie Sanders, the corporate media, all. Every F and day. 
had a heart attack. He had a heart attack. He had a heart Even after a heart attack, he had a, if, if this were any other candidate, could you imagine the way that they would be treating him? You know what I mean? They, if, if it's like Amy Klobuchar comes in third place, but she really is the winner. You see? And Bernie really lost coming in first. Because last time he came in first, it was a wider margin, even though it was a two-person race at the time. Oh, and he's not bringing out voters. And they talk about how we need someone who has a diverse coalition, who can motivate people, who... That's Bernie goddamn Sanders. But the headlines are... They're... They're ridiculous. It's uh, it's blatantly unbelievable. The way where I'm trying to find this article from Vice Media. They put together um, a list of all the headlines. According to Vice Media, this is an article written by Laura Wagner. And the headline is, Analysis, the real winner of the New Hampshire primary was Bernie Sanders. And she writes that in a sort of tongue-in-cheek way because what the focus of this article is how the corporate media all rallied around every other candidate, how they framed headlines without even mentioning Bernie, the, the fact that Bernie won. And so her, the subheadline is, uh, the big story was that a candidate got more votes than other candidates. So she writes, the second contest in the Democratic nominating process has concluded, and the winner is Bernie Sanders. He won 25.9% of the vote, finishing ahead of Pete Buttigieg, who won 24.4%, and Amy Klobuchar, who won 19.8%. Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden finished fourth and fifth, respectively, each with less than 10% of the vote. Whether Sanders' win was a win in a way that matters depends on who you ask. According to wised-up narrative from sweaty political journals, the answer is, eh, not really. Perhaps bored by the obvious and basic conclusion that the winner is determined by the actual returns, this class is eager to tell you that Sanders' win, which came a week after he essentially tied with Pete Buttigieg in a botched Iowa caucus, isn't the real story. Here's the Washington Post's Jennifer Rubin, for example. And we know that Jennifer Rubin hates Bernie. He's, she's a constant Bernie basher on MSNBC. That's why she keeps getting called by MSNBC. And that's why I say... Become a patron. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice. Become a patron of Tara Buster because they're not calling me on MSNBC. So here's Jennifer Rubin's ex um, headline. <clears throat> Sanders won, but he's not the big story that comes out of New Hampshire. In fact, the big story of that night, of, this, of the night, according to Knowing Scribes, was Klobuchar, the third-place finisher, who finished fifth in Iowa. MSNBC says, Klobuchar nabs third place in New Hampshire, exclaims, Hello, America. 
you believe this? So after the New Hampshire vote, that's the headline at MSNBC. I mean, not MS, at NBC. Klobuchar nabs third place. Exclaims, hello, America. Where the fuck do I live? That's why I want to say, hello, America. Where do I live? Is this really happening? It's almost a joke. <clears throat> Political stretching the definition of comeback the head, with the headline, Our Comeback Kid, Klobuchar, seizes her moment. You believe this shit? Let me show you. Wait, hold on. There you can see some of what I'm seeing. <coughs> I'm going to have to take a break in a minute, I think, and get some tea. Let me look at the... What time is it here? Yeah, actually, let me take a break. As you can hear my voice, I need some tea. And usually I don't take a break during the weekday shows because that's just the way it is. But I'm losing my voice probably... I don't know why. I'm screaming. And that's it. I'm tired. Screaming and tired, two combinations that don't go great together. So I will play the mid-break that I pl- that I should have played on Saturday. We didn't have a break on Saturday. So I'm going to be back in about eight minutes. We're going to have the Green News Report, and then we will have Labor History in Two. Green News Report with Brad and Desi, Labor History in Two with Rick Smith, and uh, yeah. That's it. Eight minutes. My name is Tara Devlin. I need some tea. I will see you in about eight minutes. Now, the top of the hour on the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn presents the Green News Report. Thanks to our bold regulatory reduction campaign, the United States has become the number one producer of oil and natural gas anywhere in the world. Trump misleads again on U.S. energy in his State of the Union address. Everyone in this country benefits. When we invest in infrastructure. While Democrats focus on rebuilding the country. Congratulations, you just lived through the warmest January on record. Plus... The UK has now committed to $11.6 billion in tackling global climate change. Britain accelerates its ban on gasoline cars. All of that acceleration and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Which reminds me... Cold, beautiful, clean, the way of the future. This one lump of coal can power a light bulb for almost two minutes. (laughs) This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, 
say it isn't true. Donald Trump lied about oil and gas and energy at his State of the Union address? That can't be. <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry to break it to you. Oh, I know it's a shock. It is. During his remarks in the State of the Union address this week, President Trump shelled out a number of exaggerated, misleading claims and outright lies about the U.S. energy sector, taking credit for actions taken by previous presidents, as he does, like this. Thanks to our bold regulatory reduction campaign, the United States has become the number one producer of oil and natural gas anywhere in the world. So according to the Federal Energy Information Administration, the U.S. has been the world's top producer of natural gas since 2009. I didn't know Donald Trump was president in 2009. The U.S. became the top producer of oil in 2013. I didn't know he was president in 2013. Well, that was under Obama, but the trend began under Presidents George W. Bush and Obama, not because of Trump's deregulation. The only thing Trump's regulatory rollbacks have succeeded in doing is making air and water pollution worse in the United States, and that's according to Trump's own Environmental Protection Agency. Well, that's good. Did he brag about that in his uh, State of the Union? Nope. Trump also misled the public on U.S. energy independence. With the tremendous progress we have made over the past three years, America is now energy independent. Now that is just false. There is no such thing as true energy independence with oil because oil is a global commodity. The U.S. continues to import oil and is still vulnerable to global supply shocks. And, of course, we should note that while President Obama gambled correctly that launching the natural gas drilling boom would kill off polluting coal plants, the fracking boom has become a major contributor to U.S. greenhouse gas emissions because of methane leaks, and those have increased under Trump's regulatory rollbacks. Rolling back a regulation from President Obama that would have closed off those methane leaks. Exactly. Trump also touted joining the One Trillion Trees Global Reforestation Initiative. Well, that sounds nice. That's intended to plant trees, but he didn't mention that his administration is focused on cutting trees down, increasing logging across the public's national forests. In the Democratic response, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, unlike Donald Trump, at least mentioned climate change. She focused primarily on Democratic officials who are rebuilding infrastructure wherever they can. All across the country, Democratic leaders are rebuilding bridges, fixing roads, expanding broadband, and cleaning up drinking water. Everyone in this country benefits when we invest in infrastructure. Meanwhile, January 2020 was the hottest January ever recorded since record-keeping began in the 1880s. That's according to Copernicus, the European Union's climate agency, and it's expected to be closely matched by NASA and NOAA analyses later this month. For the first time on record, Oslo, Stockholm, Helsinki, and Copenhagen all remained above freezing for the entire month of January. Mm. The new heat records put 2020 on track to be among the top two hottest years on record, thanks to man-made global warming. Finally, some good climate action news. Britain has announced it is moving up its ban on the sale of new gasoline, diesel, and hybrid cars to 2035. That's five years earlier than previously planned. It's an attempt to reduce air pollution and address climate change, Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced this week. Ending internal combustion engine cars in the U.K. will also generate jobs as the plan includes funding to build out a national electric car charging network. So this is Donald Trump. Trump's friend, Boris Johnson. <laughs> yes. And he's in favor of spending billions to fight climate change? Yeah. That's weird. 
maybe he'll have a discussion about it with Donald Trump. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. And help Desi and I to keep going with the Green News Report by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1919. That was the day copper miners in Butte, Montana, went out on strike. Mine owners announced a $1 a day wage cut when copper prices slumped in the financial markets. Swayed by the power of the Seattle general strike then in progress, miners associated with the industrial workers of the world and the Metal Mine Workers Union Local 800 formed their own soldiers, sailors, and workers council. They issued a call for a general strike. For days, area trade unionists honored picket lines, left their jobs, and held meetings to debate joining a general strike. The streetcar workers shut down public transportation for five days. Soldiers returning from the war helped to man the picket lines. The labor paper Butte Daily Bulletin reported the post-war economy had left returning war heroes penniless and working in dangerous mines. While solidarity was unanimous among workers, their unions had yet to pass formal resolutions. Immediately, Montana's Governor Sam V. Stewart called in the 44th Infantry to crush the strike. Infantrymen bayoneted nine strikers when they tried to stop the anti-labor Butte Daily Post from being distributed. Spirits were high by the end of the first week as official voting began. Then the streetcar men went back to work, citing no grievances with their employer. Then the engineers followed. Finally, the IBEW caved. They worried the engineers would take their jobs as they had done in the 1917 strike. The IWW and Local 800 called off the strike, fearing continuation would be fatal. Though most of the troops were soon withdrawn, one company stayed to ensure labor peace at the local water and electric works. Butte would remain under federal military occupation until the end of 1920. Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and the Rick Smith Show. All right, we're back. Uh, come on. I know. Relax. You're working too hard, Tara Jr. Jr. Yes. All right, guys, thanks for... Wow, God, I just looked at myself. Ugh. Damn. It's getting worse. <laughs> you know, we're all our own worst cri critics, I guess. It could be worse. So, all right, yeah, thanks for hanging out. My name is Tara Devlin. We usually meet every Saturday evening at 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern at the RDT Daily Facebook and YouTube channels. And then we'll rebroadcast starting Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern on Progressive Voices or anytime on the Progressive Voices app. This is the liberal media. That's it. You're looking at it. It's me. And it's the best of the liberal media because it's a cat video. Too. We have a, we have all of it here. We have progressive, normal people, and we have a cat. We have a couple of cats. So, don't watch any cat videos. You can watch this video, and 
we're talking about what what other important topics are there besides making the world a better place i don't i can't think of anything more important than that leaving the world better than you found it that's the whole point of being progressive we are on the right side of history we are on the right side of humanity and we will win this is why they have to work so hard to divide and conquer and it's also why I get annoyed at Republicans not just annoyed and conservatives I'm not it's it's beyond annoyed you know what I mean but I get mad at them because they're so easily duped they fall for the oldest trick in the book, divide and conquer. It doesn't have to be that complicated. It's as simple as that. Greed, um, selfishness, indifference. This is that whole, this is what they're doing. This is what they're doing to us. And that's why I, I say that if you have any, if you call your congressperson and... If you have any encounters with any the the so-called representatives, I, as I said to Jerry Nadler when I went to one of his town halls and I spoke to him after, and he kind of dismissed me, which kind of annoyed me. I said to him, "We need to frame our issues as patriotic imperatives. That's how you have to frame universal health care, Medicare for all, education." Universal higher education, living wages, how you have to frame the entire progressive revolution. That's what we're talking about. And the right wing, the corporate media mouthpieces, and when I say right wing, unfortunately, I mean the DLC Democratic moderates. Because they're, they're part of the problem. What? Pete Buttigieg is doing with his Medicare for all who want it. He's doing more damage to the the system that's already damaged. We can't afford that kind of misinformation coming out of the mouths of so-called Democrats. We expect it from right-wingers. That's what they do. But when you argue with Republican talking points, pushing Republican policies... What what harm? How much harm are you doing? Medicare for all who want. The thing that really annoys me about that whole frame is, besides everything else about it, is the bullshit. Medicare for all who want. Why not Social Security for all who want it? This is a Republican talking point. Medicare for all who want it? What kind of selfish bullshit? What kind of baby shit is that? What about leaving no one behind? You can't have Medicare for all who want it. How about paying taxes for all who want it? You have to have certain rules in society. Or, uh, I guess, selfishness is the only American value that a so-called Democrat is hopping on now. That's what's so detrimental. It's not that Republicans are the only ones pushing this bullshit. Then we have another, we have a so-called Democrat pushing it. Medicare for all who want it is is like saying 
I got mine, Jack. Sucks to be you. That's why I'm looking for this fucking Pete Buttigieg on there. Wait. Where is he? I'm just looking at his Twitter feed. Because today he was tweeting about Medicare for, for all uh, for all who want. It's the stupidest fucking thing. It's like everyone um, gets a fucking pony for all who want. I mean, give me a break for all who want it. That's not how you can run a functioning system. Let's keep the dumb fucking greed-centered system intact. That's all he's saying because the billionaires, they're making buku bucks. Or for your cancer. Well, not paying for your cancer. It's not that your cancer is profitable. You are profitable when you drop dead, motherfucker. So if you get sick, don't don't bother. Don't pester your betters for your money or your life, bitch. That, that's it. You pay your premiums and, you know, you got your deductibles and your co-pays and your co-insurance and your exclusions and, you know, for all who want it. And you don't want to pester your union brothers and sisters because they got theirs, Jack. And, of course, now we're all supposed to be, like all these Democrats, so pro-union. Wait, I have to put the cat down. Go ahead, boy. So pro-union by cultivating selfishness instead of saying, you know what, we're in this together. We don't leave anybody behind here in this country. You don't leave your brother and sister behind. You don't leave your fellow American behind. That's the same thing when, when, uh, when we were attacked, supposedly, you know, on 9-11, we move heaven and earth to save one American life, but we won't fucking pull a hair for 85 million Americans who have nothing or less than nothing. Or the 9-11s that happen every day in this country when people forgo health care because they can't afford it. That's a disgusting system that every Democrat should be embarrassed to prop up with their Republican talking points. I think Medicare for all who want it. It's, a, you, it's the selfishness, too. It's the peddling of the Republican talking points that really pissed me off. Besides the policies, those are just ridiculous too. It's another way of keeping the fucking broken system intact. Keep the broken system going because it's not broken, you see, for them. This is running as designed. And Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar, they don't... That's their purpose, is to keep it going, keep the scam going as long as possible. And who cares? 35,000 Americans needlessly die every year? Let 35,000 more needlessly die. Every day, people are making life and death decisions based on finances. Can I afford my medication? Oh, everybody thinks we all agree that is unconscionable. That is disgraceful. But you know what? Oh, well. I'm getting mine. I got mine. Pete Buttigieg is getting his in the fucking wine cave. That's for sure. So instead of Medicare for all, instead of a 
plan that works, instead of leaving no one behind, which is the only American value, then uh, let's come up with some bullshit that muddies the water as long as people can still get rich by denying health care. There is nothing more disgusting than a, uh, an insurance racket that gets rich by denying health care. That's all they do. They don't get rich playing, paying claims. They don't get rich by uh, making Americans healthy. Are you kidding me? They get rich by denying claims when you pay. They don't want to pay. They're not there to pay. They're there to make money. That's why no other country on earth has a for-profit health system because there's nothing... There's no market in a goddamn for-profit health system. What kind of market? That's your money or your life. Medicare for all who want it. There's no... Oh, I hate this. This is what's so annoying. I'm trying to find this fucking one tweet that this... This this fake-ass Democrat... They're, um... God damn it. I'm looking for it. I can't find it. Because just today, they've had a goddamn tweet. It was like, we don't want to make the unions... Oh, here it is. There are 14 million union workers in America who have fought hard for strong employer-provided health benefits. Medicare for all who want it protects their plans and union members' freedom. To choose the coverage that's best for them. Like, yeah. Oh, you know what? I won't, I don't plan on getting cancer this year. So what's best for me? I'm just I'm gonna get the low, the the bronze policy. God damn it, Junior. I just spilled my tape. Oh my god. There are 14 million. Well, what about the fucking 85 million who have zero? Well, no, no, no. That's not true. It's it's half. What is the exact? It's 85 who are uninsured or underinsured. So, let's see. How many Americans have no health Insurance. It doesn't. I mean, it really doesn't matter if you're underinsured. So, 44 million have Zippo. They have Buku nothing, and this motherfucking Pete Buttigieg. 14 million. Oh, so you're just protecting the 14 million over the lives of the 44 million. So that's the way a good Republican would do it: divide and conquer leaving millions behind is the Republican way and cultivating a selfishness that Americans who have something that they cling to like a like like with their dear lives by the time they let go their claw marks on it because they don't have anything else to fall back on so it's you just kick down on those lower on the ladder Because you got yours, sucks to be them. Oh, well. And next time your union goes to negotiate your union contract and the boss says they're, uh, you know, whatever, they're going to put something on the table that you find 
unable to swallow and your union says, strike, 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 then your boss will say, well, fuck you, bitches. I'm taking away your health care, you dumb bitches, because only a serf has to depend on the Lord to trickle the benefits on them. So they got you by your life and death. They got you by the neck, and they're squeezing the life out of you. But you fall right into the trap by being a dumb bastard Republican with a goddamn D after your name. And I, I swear, oh, my God, I'm going to vomit. I want to show you what I'm looking at. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was, look at this face. Ugh. Support our movement. Ugh. You fake ass. Is, that, is there any life in that person's eyes? Like the last face you'll see before lights out. <laughs> oh my God. Jesus Christ. Our movement. So I don't I don't understand why this is even an argument. Medicare, there are four, and then of course he has to translate it into Spanish because he could fuck you over in five languages. And don't you love it? Aren't you proud that a, 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 a Democrat doesn't sound like a complete moron when they're picking your pocket when the, and helping you look for they They steal in your wallet and helping you look for it. That's what he's doing. Keeping you divided, keeping you down. Really. Join our bowel movement, Andrea says on the chat. It's true. So, yeah, I'm just looking at the responses. That's what I like to do when, when I see something like this. I go through the responses. I like to see what other people are saying. For the most part, I guess this is why the we Bernie bros... There's a bad rep. And this is what the, another game that the corporate media is playing. Because they are incessantly attacking Bernie and his supporters. And the corporate media is off the fucking chain. They go, they go on about how Bernie's a loser. He'll never win. He's losing when he's winning. And everyone's, we're a mob, we're brown shirts. Even what Chuck Todd said there was a hashtag trending, fire Chuck Todd. He's, uh, because he compared Bernie supporters, the only Jewish candidate for, for the presidency, whose relatives died in the Holocaust, the, that um, Chuck Todd calls Bernie supporters, brown shirts. So now here in the fascist United States of serfs and lords, when you want, um, when you're fighting for a living wage, retirement security, and health care for all, all, you're a fascist. But when you are funneling more money to the top and ensuring that the fascism remains the way it is, 
except a little kinder and gentler. They'll throw a subsidy. Don't worry. The subsidies will come. There will be an extension of unemployment and things like that, like 99 weeks of unemployment. But you won't think about retiring. You know, you'll get to, you'll have something to stave off the revolution. There will be no remedy for this fascism, but, you know, that's just an aside. So the next fascist who gets in there will do away with democracy for good. That'll be the end of it. And like I always say, it's like in the Roman Republic and went into the Roman Empire, took one generation, and it was gone. And they still had elections there, too. People don't know this. You know what I mean? They think it was uh, Nero and all. It's No, they had local magistrate elections. They didn't call them emperor till later, till they finally embraced the intergenerational, uh, you know, monarchy. But they had uh, the this up until the last days of the Roman Empire. They the the soldiers still walked around SPQR written on their their shields for the Senate and people of Rome. So same fucking thing is happening here. Same thing. We will still have our local elections. There'll still be some semblance. Of democracy, but it will be gone. It will be, oh, it's already over. When you have the wants and needs of working people having zero effect on what goes on in the Senate and the House of Representatives, then it's over. What does that mean? It, of, it means it's over. That's why this is an emergency. That's why the fascists in the corporate mouthpieces are working their little fascist hearts out to make sure that it remains that way. I don't know what is wrong with them. I'm sure they all believe they're really good Democrats. That's what's so fucked up. And Chuck Todd. So Chuck Todd recently said that you know he called us all uh, Bernie people, all brown shirts, because on they, um, this is what they do. This is the game. <clears throat> Because we don't have the media, we don't have the corporate media, we have no, or barely, little to no representatives uh, on the corporate media. If they're, the, you'll have a panel of uh, of five people bashing Bernie, and then the, um, you know, that'll be that, and uh, regardless of what's going on, and so when Chuck Todd says something like. Bernie supporters are brown shirts and the people on Twitter get mad. They are a mob, according to Chuck Todd. So Chuck Todd quoted a, a Republican who called Bernie supporters brown shirts. And, you know, he's, he's not calling Bernie supporters brown shirts. He's just quoting someone you know, and he's saying in his in the clip, he was like, oh, well, we've all been a victim of the Bernie mob. Yeah, because when you say something like that, when you call Bernie supporters brown shirts, people have a reaction to it. It's the same thing that when when Elizabeth Warren, when we the a couple of weeks ago, when A.M. Joy, Joy Reid, 
said that we were um, that Bernie supporters had sent Elizabeth Warren a uh, snake emojis on Twitter. That's what they think is so abusive. Oh my God, we're so out of control. It's the end of democratic society. It's the end of a the uh, the grand experiment in liberal democracy. But for heaven's sake, don't send a candidate for president a goddamn snake emoji. That's just too, going a bridge too goddamn far, you Bernie bros. It's ridiculous. So people have a reaction and they tweet at Chuck Todd and they're like, you're a fucking idiot. And he's like, oh, we're such victims. We are so hurt by this Bernie bro mob. How do you handle it? Maybe go have a, uh, go find a billionaire at one of your exclusive cocktail parties with the people that you're supposed to be reporting on. I know you like rubbing shoulders with them and palling around with them. You know, this is the ivory tower. This is the elite. And they don't want anything to change. Everything's fine for them. They're not out there on their days off driving Ubers. They're not worried. They're not counting the, their change. They're not thinking about, am I going to pay my rent or buy my medication? That's not in their realm of considerations. It's, holy shit, somebody sent me a snake emoji. What a mob. It's insane. They are so fucking deluded. And that's why I feel like we're, we, I, I, I know I talk about it a lot on the show, but we're, this is what we're up against. We have to win this election. We have to do everything we can to get our Bernie candidate, someone who fucking understands the game, who knows what, uh, what the hell the problems are, and has spent a lifetime fighting against it. We, that person needs to be the standard bearer. That's... That, uh, of, of, a, of, a, of a country, of a movement that's saving democracy for future generations. And everybody better get off their ass. Everybody within the sound of my voice, this show, and, and, and anybody else that you know that you could spread this message that it's all hands on deck now. We have to get out there. Knock on doors. We have to get on the, there's an app, Bernie, the Bernie app, where you can, if you have a day off, volunteer. You could call people from the comfort of your own home to get them to the vote. We have to win this back in such an overwhelming margin that the Democratic National Committee, the DNC, who are already planning to fuck it up. They want to run Klobuchar. They want to run Biden, who will be mincemeat. Trump will make mincemeat out of that man. I can't, e- I can't even imagine. If the shoe was on the other foot, if Bernie came in third in New Hampshire, what would the story be? 
Why doesn't he drop out? If he came in third and had to beg for money, Klobuchar does not have enough money to last. They, uh, they, I guess they were surprised that she came in third because of Biden's complete ineptitude. So, if Bernie came in third, he would. They would. They would all be saying, "What is he doing?" But they're still saying that. They are saying that now. Why is he bothering? Why you think by the time we get to the election that he'll be able to rally around the candidate? This is the meme that they're putting out. In their minds, I actually saw a bunch of MSNBC contributors talking about what if we get to the convention and Bernie has more votes, will will the will it be contested meaning they're they are already re, they don't even see how much they're refusing to, to to even imagine a world where bernie is the candidate do you think he'll go quietly if he has more votes why should he this is a this is a movement of the people. This is the people-funded campaign, and the Democratic Party could could care less. In fact, here's Van Jones. He kind of said it on CNN. Bernie Sanders is a phenomenon. He he is. He doesn't get any attention. People don't talk about him. He just continues to rack up these big big numbers, these big margins. And he's doing stuff that we don't talk about enough. He's appealing to young people and people of color, increasingly, and women, and the beer track voters that you know, people talk about for Biden. They're showing up for Bernie Sanders. He's got an army of unbelievable uh, donors. If anybody else had all that, we'd be saying, this guy's our guy. For whatever reason, we continue to talk about everybody but Bernie Sanders. For whatever reason, it's because the game is rigged. It is rigged. And I don't care. This is what Twitler said. This, and this is another way that they disparage Bernie's support. They're saying, oh, he says the same thing that Twitler says. But that's part of the problem because Twitler played on that resentment. People aren't the, um, dumb. I mean, they are, as I was saying. They are dumb. Some of them say eeny, meeny, money, mo" and shit like that. But they understand that the game is rigged and Twitler understands that they understand that the game is rigged we're not that fucking stupid in that department so he played on that and promised the moon but delivered it all to the one percent so he's uh he's a grifter like any grifter they have to start with some kind of they have to start with the truth you know, do you want to be smarter, taller, thinner, whatever it is? They promise you the remedy. So they're not promising you something that you d- have no interest in. People understand what the hell the problem is. They know that money in politics is the root of all evil. And it's not going to f- play well when... Twitler, let's say, goes up against Buttigieg or Klobuchar, and he has the moral high ground when it comes to money and policy, even though he is taking money from 
billionaires or whatever, all of the ri- his rich fucking fascist friends who hate America. It doesn't matter. He's the one fighting for you. He's fighting for the working class. This is what his, this is his his lie, his big lie, of course. We know what he's doing. He's not doing that. He but he's saying it because that's what people want. We understand this is what we need. This is why Obama ran on change. What the hell is change we can believe in? And this is why what happens is like you go from Bush to Obama. You know what I mean? It's like Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat. Because people are looking for somebody to fix this fucking thing already. Do something like you say you're going to do it. Like all of the Democrats run as, as progressives. Even Bill Clinton ran as a progressive. They all do. Obama ran as a progressive. Now they're all saying, ah, no one's more progressive than me, Joe Biden. I'm the most progressive. Bullshit. We're not fucking stupid. You're not progressive. There's no, there's no progressivism going on in the wine cave, except we understand they're, they're not homophobes, probably. They're like, oh, they're cool with, with the fact that Buddha Judge is married to somebody who has the same pee-pee, that's fine. They don't care about that. They are interested in the unholy dollar. That's the only thing that matters. They're not patriots. They don't give a shit that Americans are going hungry and cold and have are homeless or have no opportunity or left behind with in, in sickness, in ignorance, without opportunity. They don't care. Otherwise, what, why would they? If they cared, they'd be paying their taxes. Jeff Bezos would pay the price of admission to a civilized society. That's, that's what you do when you pay your taxes. But these rich motherfuckers think that that's for suckers. You see what I mean? Because they think that being a, uh, a, demo- like a democracy, I'm saying I was not Democrat because... Believing, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is they think that believing in democracy is for suckers. Because what, what do you have to, democracy, shmamocracy, sh- whatever. They want fucking money. You don't need a democracy to be a rich motherfucker. You don't need democ- democracy and capitalism are not synonymous. Look at China. They don't give a shit. They would rather have a China where everything is controlled like that until they can get rid of democracy, the pesky voting, once and for all, and they're working on it. And they've they're come very close. And this is how close it is. If we um, make the wrong choice, they're all saying how this is the most important election of our lifetime. Well, goddamn right. That's why we need somebody who can fucking win. And it's not a moderate. It's someone who can motivate people and not only win, but fix this thing. Do you understand? Those in the corporate media ivory tower, they are so far outside of what's really going on They can't see anything but the fucking mirror in their dressing room. 
as it's reflecting their own image. Oh, my God. Which bring, Look at this. I want to play this. This happened. You probably saw it already. Chris Matthews talking about scared of being he's scared of being shot in Central Park. This is the, what they think of when they think of Medicare for all. When they think of a more um, egalitarian country that we need. And then they think of uh, equal protection under the law and a living wage and a government work that works for more than just the 1%. This is what Chris Matthews thinks of. Uh, but I think that the Democratic Party has to figure out its ideology. Uh, in Britain, we had the Liberal Party. When I was going up beginning of the last century. We had the Liberal Party. They were overtaken by the Socialist Party. Labor became the main threat, the main challenger to the Tories. Churchill went back to the Tories. We know all those. This, he's fucking losing it, by the way. He's just babbling about the Tories, the Labor and Tories in Britain. What the fuck are you talking about? I, this guy has a show. He has a show on a corporate media station. This babbling, bo boring moron. He's a babbling bore. Really. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. This, uh, I have to play. Still that history. Uh, a lot of us will be sorting things out if the Democratic Party runs a socialist candidate. That's a change from the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party's been to the left of the Republican Party on the issue of mixed capitalism, more social programs. Mixed capitalism. You know what capital is? Capitalism is a merciless system. So... I know they think that that capitalism is synonymous with democracy. Without regulation, capitalism will eat you alive and spit you out. It will turn you into a commodity until you're nothing but a slave. You want to see uh, what capitalism does? Take a trip to 1860s, right, or before. The Middle Passage, that's capitalism for you. If you didn't serve the economic interests of the slavers, you go overboard. That's capitalism without regulation. Government had to intervene in this country and say, enough of this shit, even though it took too goddamn long. But you know what I mean? Without regulation, without we the people saying, no, this is how you're going to play this game, capitalism will fuck you, and it ain't going to kiss you first. So this bitch, this Chris Matthews, who, what the hell is he afraid of? If everyone has a chance a, on this poor, short span of consciousness that we are unfortunately sharing together with Chris Matthews, with the likes of Chris Matthews and Twitler, and a Pete goddamn Buttigieg. <sighs> Push Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, enormously popular programs. Yeah, I but what would he say about Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, if this were FDR's time? You, would he be saying, oh, my God, eh, I'm going to be taken out and shot? Of course he would. Now he's like, oh, Social Security, Medicare. Huh. Everybody said it's popular, but guess what? He wouldn't lose a fucking wink of sleep 
if this country had no Social Security and Medicare, he'd be fine. Because that's all that matters for little Chris Matthews, who somehow, in, in this bizarro world, somebody like a Chris Matthews needs, to, needs a show, right? That guy needs a fucking show on a major network. That's how screwed up this country is. We have the likes of a Chris Matthews spewing what? Fear, ang- uh, division, stupidity, selfishness as the American way. ACA Obamacare has also wished to follow through with it. And make what the fuck is he saying? This is what I'm saying. He's like babbling. He's like a babbling brook of... He sounds like Buttigieg, except he's not... He's equally not saying anything, but... It's more incoherent. The party's been to the left of the Republican Party on the issue of mixed capitalism, more social mixed programs. Capitalism. They push Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, enormously popular programs. I think ACA Obamacare has also wished to follow through with it and make it work. I think most Americans would be happy that. How do you make it work when you have for-profit health insurance ghouls standing in your doctor's office saying, eh-eh? Sorry, exclusion, copay, deductible, in network, out of network. Oh well, sorry, fuck off, die. Public option and have Medicare uh, followed through with, but I I don't want to get into the, you Look, know I'm on oh every night. Oh my god, everybody's like, what am I looking at? What? Somebody stop this fucking guy. Where's the hook? Let the Democrats figure this out. I, I have my own views of the word socialist, and I'll be glad to tell them, share them with you in private. And they go back to uh, the early 1950s. I have an attitude about them. I remember the Cold War. I have an attitude toward... Oh, he's going to say it now. Don't worry. He, want, he will share it in private, although he doesn't make good on that promise. Here it comes. Castro. I believe if Castro and the, and the, and the Reds had won the Cold War, there would have been executions in Central Park, and I might have been one of the ones getting executed. And certain other people would be there cheering, okay? So I have a problem with people who took the other side. Wow. I don't know who Bernie, Bernie supports over these years. I don't know what he means by social. One week it's Denmark. We're going to be like Denmark. Okay, that's harmless. That's, a, that's basically... What is this accent he's got? We're going to be like Denmark. Is Bernie from Boston now or so, uh, suddenly? What is he talking about? It's like Denmark. We're going to be like Denmark. That's not how Bernie talks. Who has he been listening to? Who has been whispering this shit in his ears? I don't know who Bernie Bernie supports over these years. I don't know what he means by social. One week it's Denmark. We're going to be like Denmark. Okay, that's harmless. Oh, my God. One week it's Denmark. I don't know who he supports. No, he's only been saying the same fucking thing for 30 years. Except now he's coming too close to your ivory tower. You, nothing's going to happen to you. You poor little deer. You'll be fine. You will still have yours. But we'll all get a piece of the goddamn pie. You stupid, selfish, little sycophant of corporations who you are nothing but a mouthpiece to. You are a disgrace to America. Another self-seeking, self-serving coward in all of American history, in all of world history. Human beings have had to evolve despite people like this guy, like Chris Matthews. 
all throughout every period that we've all ever made any progress, that we've ever become a more perfect union. We have had to do it in spite of Chris Matthews. And I mean it. He's been in every fucking period standing in the way. Him. Same guy, same white man, old cracker, rich old white cracker who fucking cannot see a world beyond his own eyelashes. Calls himself a patriot, right? I'm sure he does. Loves America. It's worked out really good for him. In the ivory tower, what the fuck has he brought to the table? He is nothing but um, a, a lick spittle of the, corp- of the corrupt system that has killed thousands of Americans needlessly, that bankrupts millions more, that puts us on the worst uh, income disparity than the Roman Empire, this fucking white old cracker fearful little spreading of, this, of bullshit. He doesn't do anything of value. And that's why he's got a nice, cushy job in the ivory tower. Because that's what it's about. Spreading shit. Keeping that shit going. Keeping the game going. Keeping people divided. And now that we have a... Uh, that's, uh, many people are waking up. Many people are waking up. The, f- the, f- the fact is, y- the Trump Z's, they're also... Um, they're susceptible to the message that, guess what? It's time that you got yours. They, they're looking in the wrong direction, though. That's the problem. Because they're partly racist. That's my opinion. It's not really my opinion. There's been studies. Many of these Trump Z's are racist. That's what appeals to them. Because if they weren't, they would go for Bernie. Because he is also talking about the truth. He's talking about the the truth. That's why Trump is a grifter. He's a fucking con man. He uses your desire to fix what's broken. And he sells you snake oil. The snake oil salesman comes to town. He's like, I got what ails you. I got the cure for what ails you. He knows what ails you. You have a hurt back. You have a hurt, whatever, corns on your feet or whatever. Here's the cure. I was like, oh, they know. He's got, you know, he knows my, this is, cures my aching back. That's Trump. Except that Bernie will actually do something about it. My God. I, let's just continue with this. That's, a, that's basically a capitalist country with a lot of good social welfare programs. Denmark is harmless. It's pretty clearly in the Denmark is category. He? Yeah. Are you is sure? he? You know, did he tell you that? Well, I mean, that's did what he, he said. Tell you that? Calls for, right? Yeah, yeah, He's not uh, calling uh, for well, anything. Let's see. Let's see. Let's yeah, take it Did he call you that? What is the purpose of, of this tirade? Of course, it's to so. Did he tell you that? Is Does he want Denmark? Or he wants... He wants Castro. He's He wants to be Castro. He wants to rule you. In, in history, throughout history, this is the cry of the aristocrats. They want to rule you. It's the same thing. It reminds me of, and speaking of Roman history, 
the the murder of the um, Tiberius Gracchi, who was that was the charge. He wants to be a king. He was, a, and then he turned the aristocrats, the the elites, who the um, this who he was a, a uh, what do you call it a tribune of the plebs. He was actually working for the people. Wanted land reforms to um, make Rome a more equal society because all the rich, as they do, were gobbling up all the land and the spoils of all the conquests that the working people and the soldiers put their blood, sweat, and tears on the line to, to uh, you know, to create. And, of course, the aristocrats, the elites... Turned against, turned the people against their tribune by sewing up, sewing this fear. He wants to be a king. He wants to rule you. And that's what, that's exactly what this fucking Chris Matthews is doing. What, is he really, really? He wants to be like Castro, does he? Denmark seems nice, but Castro, that's what? Never has Bernie ever said, we're going to turn America into uh, Cuba. He's always mentioned the Scandinavian countries, and there are things to learn. You know, that's what made the Roman Empire last near a thousand years, because they weren't like us. They weren't stupid in that sense, like we are here in the United States. The, oh, USA, USA. They went around the world and they saw the way things were done. And instead of saying, oh, well, that's a fucking stupid way because that's the, uh, you know, the Britons are doing that or the whatever, the uh, um, obscure whatever tribe is doing that, they adopted it as their own. They took things that worked from every culture and they made it Roman. They said, oh, that works. We're going to take it. I'm going to make it our own. Not here, not here in the United States of serfs and lords. We look around, we have the worst health care, the measurably worst health system in the entire world. And we, of course, we don't want to do what other people do, what other countries do more successfully, the happiest countries on earth, because, oh, that's scary. Is that like Denmark or Cuba? Won't you be afraid if you can have what, uh, you know, 30 days vacation mandatory, Pat? Or a subsidy or stipend to go to school or free college. Guess what? Coming out of college without being an indentured servant to the bank. That's just un-American. Oh, my God. I'm telling you guys. This is not a drill. We have to get this country back from... It's not just uh, the fucking Republicans. Trump is a symptom. It's them. Who's worse? That's what makes me so scared for the future in that way. Because these are the so-called Democrats talking like this. God's sakes, enough is enough. And Buttigieg and Klobuchar, 
Oh, we don't want unions. There are 13 million union members. So fuck the 44 million who have nothing. This is an opportunity to actually have a system that works. So we have a choice. We either fight like hell for a system that works for all, or we have fascism. These are, this is what it is. We're standing at the crossroads. If we get it wrong, it's over. And the next fascism, I do not say, I did not ta- warn you, the next fascist who gets in there will be able to control himself. That's just the way it is. It won't be a Twitler. It will be somebody who can stay off Twitter. And that'll be the end. That's the end of it. It's exactly like the, the end of the Roman Republic. Because, like I've said before, what happened? You know, they assassinated Caesar. He was too ostentatious with his imperial designs. When an Augustus came in, that was the last Roman, that was the first Roman emperor. Because he, he toned it down. He was deferential to the Senate outwardly. He showed respect to the traditions he didn't walk around in purple robes. He, you know, he was a good, conscientious Roman. He tried to uh, play the game. And by the end of his life, that was the end of the Roman Republic for good because he, ha- he lived until his 70s. And people were born and they died under Augustus's reign, and they didn't even know the Republic anymore. The memory of the Republic was over. It was gone. And then they, it didn't happen ov- overnight. Then they would adopt their successor. didn't necessarily have to be someone in their family until down the road. Then the intergenerational monarchy came back completely. So... That's the future for us. Everything, um, you know, the history, what is it? History doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. This is repeating itself. It's the same. Republics die the same goddamn way all the time. And it's happening here. And it's, ha- and it's so sad because it's happening because of greed, because of base human selfishness. And people like, I, I mean, when you, you have a Chris Matthews has a, has a goddamn show. Willie Geist, give me a break. And thank God we have YouTube. Thank God we can have independent liberal media shows like this show. Like Mike Malloy, like Bob Kincaid. You know what I mean? But that's why they're coming for the Internet, too. Don't worry, they'll get there if we're not careful. That's why we're in big, big trouble. <sighs> what time is it? Oh, my God. 11.10. Well, anyway. Fuck them all, right? Bloomberg sucks. Buttigieg sucks. Klobuchar ugh. Oh, talk about a nothing burger. That's probably the 
one of the worst phrases from this entire whatever the new millennia that I I can do without ever hearing again. That's the statement nothing burger. I hate that fucking statement. It's so ridiculously overused. That was a real nothing burger. Because Donald Trump Jr. uses it a lot. Yes, I know. But, yeah. Nothing burger. Um, Let me think. How to end the show. Let's play some Nina Turner. Talking about Bernie. The majority of Democrats who helped flip the House in 2018 were moderates. James Carville made the argument over the weekend that Senator Sanders isn't a Democrat, he's an James ideologue. Carville. And we've got to get practical. Uh, by the way, James Carville, another holdover, another remnant from a bygone era where, well, an era that is holding on for dear life, another member of the DLC Democratic Party that made, that helped make the United States the least upwardly mobile with the widest income gap of all our Western partners. That James Carville, the one who said that running Barack Obama would be a real risk that we couldn't take, that America wasn't ready to elect a black president. That's that James Carville. Now he's some kind of soothsayer. When it comes to Bernie, they're all fucking soothsayers. If he is the candidate, he is not going to be able to help win over the Senate. And unless you have the Senate, if you've just got the White House, you ain't going to get nothing done. Seventy. does practical mean that the 89 or so million people who are uninsured or underinsured in this country continue to suffer? Does being practical mean that we don't take steps in this country to deal with climate chaos and bring world leaders to bear? Does being practical mean that we continue to prop up a legal system that is unjust in every stretch of the imagination, that bears its weight down on black men and black women, and then by you extension, go, if you are Hispanic or indigenous or poor? Does being practical mean that we don't say to the American people People that you deserve better than what you are getting. That's mm -hmm. not the kind of practicality we want. Does practical mean that you hold fundraisers and wine caves with Swarovski crystals with bil billionaires who want to control this system? Does practical mean we continue to you go, go with the status quo while 500,000 people sleep on the streets at night? That's not practicality. So with all due respect to Mr. Carver, mm -hmm. what the P American people in this country need, they need somebody that is unabashed and that has the courage and the conviction to stand up for them and to call out the rigging of this system. And that candidate is Senator Bernie Sanders. But steps Hello, and a revolution are two different things. In order to get to a revolution, you've got to take steps. And what James Carville is saying is, you've got to get to a practical place to make those changes. Stephanie, the elites in 1930 said the same thing about FDR. And he said, I welcome your hatred. These are the same people that if the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was still alive, when he stood up before he was gunned down and he said to this country, he said the evils of this country, militarism, materialism, poverty, and racism, those are those same people. So now if President FDR had listened to those people, or if the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King had listened to those people, we would not progress as a nation. So every generation, we got the naysayers, baby. But what the folks of this country need, they need, they need somebody that's going to stand up for them. Senator Sanders is known as the King, he knows how to get things done, but what this, what people need is to be able to call upon somebody that's not going to capitulate. Senator mm -hmm. Sanders supporters, what is their number one goal? Is it to 
start this revolution or is it to defeat Donald Trump? And I ask because there's often a lot of talk around will those supporters get behind another candidate if it's not Senator Sanders? Stephanie, it's but why can't we have both? Mm -hmm. You know, that same argument was made in 2016. And a lot and, of those people didn't people, vote for Stephanie. However, though, Clinton. Stephanie, more of Senator Sanders supporters supported Secretary Hillary Clinton That's than her right. supporters supported then Senator Barack Obama. So let's 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 set the record straight. People do want to defeat uh, President Donald Trump, but they also want to know that they're going to have a fighter in the White House that's going to take it all the way, that's going to go ham on this system that has oppressed them. And so I reject, and so do the American people, right. the whole notion that you cannot say to a system that it must change and also push a dream and a vision that is bigger than what we have right now. Who wants somebody that's saying to the workaday people of this nation, I'm going to run for office, but you're only going to get more of the same. <laughs> that doesn't work. That's We're going to win this stuff. All right. Well, you're certainly in it to win it. Great to see you. <laughs> That's right. Oh, she's amazing. I love Nina Turner. Oh, my God. Hello, somebody. A hundred percent. Why can't you have both? This revolution that you have. Well, why don't you have the revolution, Stephanie? Why don't you get it? Why we need a revolution? What does it mean to, to finally to bring this country back for the working class. A revolution, we're goddamn right. We need a, a revolution in a country where one third of the American people can't retire, half can't handle a $400 emergency, and 50% are living check to check. What is wrong with you, Stephanie Rule, that you can't see that we need a revolution, that, there, that the time has come? And... Honestly, uh, we can't turn back. It's now or never. Listen, guys. Listen. As I always say, we stick together. We win, and we will win. So I don't, I don't know when I'll be back. I know it'll be Saturday. I don't know if it'll be before Saturday. Tomorrow is Thursday, so maybe not... Probably not Friday. I don't know. I don't know. If. I, I want to do more. I want to do more shows. Because we have to get more audience. We have to get more people on board. We have to grow this show. We have to. Look at Terry Jr. <laughs> Look at how good he is. Isn't he a baby? He's such a good baby. He's the best cat. So, yes. Um, yeah, so I really want to do more shows. That's the bottom line. I hope we get enough patrons. We need about a thousand more patrons. So we got a we got a ways to go, but I don't have any doubt that we will get there. It's going to take some time though. And as long as I I'll keep working as much as I can, of course. But I know that you guys will also contribute, not only financially. I know that you do. Of course, I appreciate that. And we need we need that. That ha That's just the reality. But also helping the show grow by sharing it with your friends, giving the show a good review on iTunes, that helps. If you're on uh, other chats for other liberal talk shows, 
talk about this show, invite people to come and listen or share the links. And also, if you're if you ever call into another re- re- liberal talk show, drop Tara Buster. Say, hey, have you ever heard of Tara Buster? This is something that Tara Buster or Tara Devlin from Tara Buster talks about. And, you know, stuff like that. Word of mouth. Word of mouth. That really helps. I know you guys all share it. And everything you do matters. I could see that they, we're getting more people just coming to the chats, as you know. And especially on Saturdays. So, um, yeah. We need about, we need more. We, we will get there. Eventually we'll have a daily show. That's the goal. And, you know, we'll, uh, we never give up. That's how you win. So, like I always say, we will not give up because we are on the right side of history and we are on the right side of humanity. And this shit is a f- needs to be a full-time thing. You know what I mean? You can't do fighting fascism. You can't fight fascism part-time. That's what I was thinking earlier today. I was like, we got to get the show... Um, you know, to a point where it can be a daily thing because that's what's required. And even if we get, even if we get uh, President Bernie Sanders, the fight has just begun. But that would certainly be a step in the right direction. Guys, you are amazing. And Poppy Champlin will be on the show on Saturday. We'll have a a phone system working again. And maybe in the future we'll open up the phones for the weekday and see if anybody wants to call in, talk about what they want to, what they think. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I was wrong once in 1973. I could, it could happen again. I have no idea. So you guys are amazing. I love you. Thank you for all your super chats that keeps the show going. It helps maintain the... Uh, everything costs money. That's just the way it is. The friggin' e everything. RDT Daily, that costs money. It all costs money. So we will create more liberal content. And you guys, I mean, we can't do it without you. It's That is the bottom line. All right. It's time to go. I gotta get unconscious. I like being unconscious. You know that. It's amazing. You are the real patriots. Let's also get that word out. If you see your representative, um, our call up your representatives and tell them. Let's start framing our progressive revolution as the patriotic imperative it is. For Christ's sakes. And thank you, Haiku, for being the moderator of the chat room. The the you make the chat a a fun, safe, amazing place to be. So everybody really appreciates that as well. I'm sure all of our regulars appreciate that. And if you're not um, hanging out in the in the Tarabusta chat room during the show, you're missing the coolest people in the entire progressive media landscape. It's really why I do this show, too. I love you guys. 
And I know one day we will be together. We'll probably, maybe one day soon, who knows? We'll have a, we got to get more patrons, though. That's the bottom line. We'll we'll do a meetup, like a Malloy thing or something, you know, how he has a Malloy mountain getaway. We can, do, we can do that, too. I don't know. It's raining outside now. All right. Guys, <laughs> I keep saying I'm going to end the show, and then it keeps going on. But it's not really, nothing is really happening. You guys are great. Thank you for all you do. We stick together. We win. My name is Tara Devlin. I will see you very soon. <laughs>